0: Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Uh, This is going to be a fun conversation. We're going to talk about meetings and why most of us have to deal with meetings that we cannot stand. I have a gentleman on the show today who's going to walk us through what to do about that and how to make these things actually potentially effective and impactful and actually advance The goals of our respective organizations. Uh, Boy, I've been a part of a lot of meetings over the years that have been so uh, frustratingly maddening. So I think we're going to learn a lot here about how to maybe make these things finally once and for all effective and and actually help us uh, achieve what we want to achieve. Say hello to my guest. His name is Dr. Rick Brinkman. He is with Rick Brinkman Productions, a longtime speaker. Dr. Rick, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Todd. The pleasure is mine, Dr. Rick. I appreciate you making time to join us. Uh, Gosh, before we get into this uh, book of yours, which we're going to talk about in length here, take a quick second, tell us a bit about you and your background and the work that you're currently out there doing.
1: I was trained as a naturopathic physician, which is a holistic medical degree. And uh, very quickly, I started counseling my patients, dealing with their relationship issues, life fulfillment issues. And uh, all of a sudden, when we handled those things, their symptoms would go away. And that led me to all mind-body medicine and eventually public practice doing uh, seminars and keynotes on communication and life fulfillment.
0: Outstanding. So the new book is called Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand. Meet less and do more. So let me put this very delicately Most meetings I've ever been a part of suck. (laughs) They were a complete waste of time and useless and frustrating. And I came out of most of those meetings more frustrated than I was going in. Why? And we know this. We have talked about the futility of meetings for years, if not decades. Why did Dr. Rick still need to put this book out there? Why have we not figured out by this day and age how to make these things productive and useful?
1: Well, you know, I don't think people really want to question meetings. In most organizations, you know, there's a hierarchy and there's uh, – by questioning the existence of a meeting or or how we're doing it, it could be – seem challenging to your boss. and And then most people don't know what to do about it. I – have been studying communication for over 30 years. The first book was dealing with people you can't stand. And in that book, we uh, outlined some stress behaviors that people get into, like whining or negativity, or some people become know-it-alls and have this compulsion to keep telling you how much they know or think they know-it-alls. Or some people just withdraw. You know, They're quiet. uh, You don't hear from them at a meeting, or they're agreeable on the surface, but you don't really know where they stand. And then you find something different behind the back. In doing seminars for that, the the meeting context always came up, that that seemed to be a, a context that brought out the worst in people. And for good reason, because first of all, there's too many meetings. A lot of them even shouldn't exist and people have too much to do. And so if you're going into a meeting that you think is like purposeless, that's going to go on and on and on, you're already stressed out and you're closer to one of those behaviors. So in terms of the behaviors in the first book, as well as my own personal survival, being on boards and other things, I really took a look at what are the problems at meetings, and they clearly fall into four categories. It's preparation, people, process, and time. Preparation includes, should we even be meeting in the first place? Preparation includes having a very good agenda. Uh, people over like the behaviors that I already said. Some people talk too much. Some people don't talk enough process. Do we have a way of, uh, of some sort of speaking order or is it just one big free for all? And then time is the disrespect for time, not starting on time, not ending on time. And I've developed a process that handles every one of those issues. And the beauty of it is, Everyone hates meetings. Even the person you know, if they did not show up, it would be a much better meeting. Even they will tell you how bad the meeting is. So this works totally to our advantage because if you suggest to your boss or a coworker or whoever, "Hey, how'd you like to hear a, a process that makes our meetings shorter, more focused, and productive?" It's a rare human being says, "No, we don't want that. What will we do for wasted time and misery around here?"
0: Well, that's the point I, I wanted to make. Was you know, I mean, you, you make you bring up a very fair point here. That that most people in an organization, when they're summoned to a meeting, they may complain about it under their breath. They'll they'll fuss about it at the water cooler, but they'll still go with their hat in hand and sit there and fume the whole time they're they're, they're sitting in that meeting. Yeah, but yet the people who call those meetings are also at one point in their careers were the ones that were fussing about having to go to meetings. How, how do we break this cycle? I mean, why does it keep happening? Everyone who's ever led a meeting or called one at one point in their career complained about them. Why does it keep going?
1: because nobody's been trained in how to run a, a yeah. meeting properly and identify what are the problems in preventing it. Like, first of all, I think it's very useful to think of a meeting like a an like a airplane flight. You have a bunch of people who are trapped in a closed space together for a certain amount of time. It could feel uncomfortable. It seems like a waste of time. At the same time, it may the, the flight could start late or arrive late, and you're going to miss your connections on contentious issues. People bring too much baggage. And You know, you wouldn't think of going on a flight without a pre-flight checklist to make sure we have everything in place. And then we're going to have to have a flight plan, which is the equivalent of the agenda. So staying in that preparation phase for a moment, the first thing that has to happen is we have to question the meeting's existence. If you're just disseminating information in meetings, that's a big mistake. Cambridge Psychological Society found that the average person 24 hours after a business meeting only remembers 9% of what happened Mm. And of the 9%, they remember half of it is inaccurate in some way. So the first thing we have to do is question its existence. And then we have to kind of count the cost. You know, there's the cost of people in the room. I remember when I was in the UK, some people told me that when you came into a conference room, you keyed in a code in a computer. And the computer knew what you were getting paid per minute. And when the meeting started, a taxi meter appeared on the screen and the meter was running, and that helped people be a little more aware of time. But even more than money, it's it's all the things we're not doing when we're in a meeting. So that all has to be weighed ahead of time. And then if the meeting is valid, we need to create a good agenda. There's always got to be a flight plan. Uh, Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you end up someplace else. And there's two parts to every agenda item that really should be there. That I've never seen unless I'm running the meeting and that is you know aside for the, here's the items name. Here's who's responsible. Here's the time frame. Here's what we're going to do discuss question answer. It's purpose two sentences or less. Why are we focusing on this? Why are we taking our valuable time and not doing 10 million other things? That's the first thing and then the second thing is focus. What do you need from me? So, you know, for example, let's say purposes, we're going to be um, rearranging the office and we want to find the way to do it with the least impact on your workflow. Oh, okay, that's important. What do you want from me? Focus. Take a look at your workflow. We want you to come to this meeting uh, knowing what your intense times are and if there is a possible better time or day when we can move your office. Oh, so now I'm oriented. And as soon as we do that, we're gonna create more focus at the meeting and we're gonna be less likely to go down uh, stupid, irrelevant tangents.
0: Well, this agenda you talk about, I mean, obviously you need to set a very clear, very concise, and in in my viewpoint, based on my personal experience from the meetings I've ever attended, there ought to be one purpose. There ought to be one item that we're there really to discuss, that for whatever reason we can't achieve any other means. I mean, there's all this technology out there about how to improve our productivity and our efficiency, and shouldn't that solve most of the problems that meetings in the past used to, used to attempt to solve? Is it? Is, I mean, talk about this agenda. I mean, is, is it really just one focus, one goal? I mean, how do you do that without all of a sudden there being 47 items on this agenda?
1: Well, there's two things that have to happen. First of all, every agenda item must relate to everybody in the room. You can't have an agenda item that affects six people and the four people are distracted, checking their phones and so forth. And then uh, secondly, you got to be realistic about time. You really have to time out the agenda and how much time are we going to need. So there's a learning curve. I recommend that people always have somebody assigned to take time notes. How long did this discussion take? What Did we have a tangent? Because then you're going to be able to be more realistic when you're creating the agenda in the first place. And then sometimes in a long meeting, I was very impressed actually with McGraw-Hill. My editor told me, you know, they would have a three-hour meeting going over editorial stuff, but each editor doesn't really need to be there the whole time. So you're aware more or less when in that three-hour space you're going to be up to bat, and five minutes before they're ready for you, they'll send a email to your uh, computer, and you have to be there, and then you come to the meeting, and then when you're done, you leave. So that was a good way of handling a, a larger agenda but making sure that it's always relevant to everyone in the room.
0: Well, this time element, I mean, gosh, we could spend two hours, here I am talking about time and saying we could talk forever on it. <laughs> Therein lies part of the problem. Is, is, you know, I always used to say to people, yeah, the meeting only lasts a half an hour, but we got 10 people in the room, so it's really not a half an hour. It's a half an hour times 10. The time wasted at these meetings – it is just staggering to me. I can't believe more people aren't aware of that, don't recognize it, and realize the lost productivity by sucking all these people into this room and most of the time is wasted because most people, as you said, don't need to really be there or mm-hmm. they're not going to get anything out of it. Uh, how do, So the time thing, I mean, I, I was like, when I had meetings, I would have a, a, I would actually have an alarm set. And it, when the bell rung, we ended no matter where we were. And I don't know if that was necessarily a smart move either. But it was trying to be mindful of time. I think that is a smart move. I mean,
1: you know, again, thinking of the airplane flight, there's a point where the door closes. And in uh, preparing for this book, I heard many people tell me stories. The rule in their company was when the meeting starts, this door is locked and you don't get in. And we need to end on time, whether or not the agenda is done. People have other connections to make. They've got other meetings to attend. And then at the meeting itself, we're going to do a few things that are going to save a lot of time. First of all, there's always got to be a speaking order. What's naturally going to happen is some people are going to talk too much and other people are going to just totally drop out and you're not going to hear from them. And if you ask them what they think, they'll say, no, no, yeah, I agree. But that's all you get. So there's got to be a speaking order. Now, that could be voluntary. People raise their hands and you put their name on a whiteboard, let's say. Or it could be circular. Personally, I prefer circular order because that ensures you're going to hear from everyone. And then secondly, there's got to be a time frame for each time you speak. So if we're in a discussion, we went before we open up the discussion, we kind of figure, okay, how long do we have for this discussion? Let's say it's 30 minutes. Let's say there's six people in the room. If you divide that, it's five minutes per person, but you got to go back and forth. So we establish, all right, you have two minutes to make your point for any one time that you're speaking and this is going to save you a lot of time as well as hear from everybody you know because it's you got to control your know-it-alls who go on and on and on or uh, somebody who's being judgmental and nitpicking stupid details and then the other thing that'll save you time is to do what i call flight recording Uh, and that's when you take whatever people say and you create a bullet point out of it so imagine you have a, a powerpoint slide projected a blank slide when a person makes a point you summarize their point in a bullet, and we assume that that represents it accurately. If it doesn't, then the person who said it would immediately just correct us and say what to add or what to subtract. And once you have something visual, now here's visual communication versus auditory. Auditory exists the moment you say it, and then it's gone. Visual remains over time. And so if I make a point And I see it, I see you see it, five minutes later, it's still there, and if you do not have visual recording, you will find that people are going to repeat themselves, repeat themselves, repeat themselves, as a way of keeping a point in people's awareness. But once it's up there for all to see, I don't have to say it over again, other people don't have to say it over again, that immediately saves you time and eliminates repetition. But there's something that flight recording does that's even greater, and that is when you make things visual you can see the totality of multiple points all at once you know you can't hear multiple things at once but you can see them if we put them on a flip chart or or a slide and this puts people into what i call holographic thinking you know it's like your two eyes each of your two eyes sees from a slightly different point of view imagine them arguing over whose point of view is correct well that's absurd but that's what people do all the time they're both correct and when your brain synthesizes the two points of view you see three dimensions so i would assume that everybody has a unique point of view at a meeting. And if we can extract their point of view and make it visual, we see the totality of all the factors and suddenly we're taking into account many factors coming up with ideas or solutions that integrate a whole and are going to be much more powerful. And again, that also saves us a lot of time because when we see it, we arrive at holographic thinking and we don't
0: polarize. We just realize that we're, we each have a piece of the puzzle. All right, Dr. Rick and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back.
2: This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com.
0: All right, I am back with Dr. Rick Brinkman, the author of a new book called Dealing With Meetings You Can't Stand, Meet Less and Do More. All right, so Dr. Rick, so in every meeting, there's the guy who won't shut up and just keeps (laughs) talking and talking and talking. And then there's the person who you want to contribute but doesn't say a peep. I guess another way of asking this question is, extroverts and introverts there's the extroverts a meeting is their is their happy place this is where they can shine because they're with people and they can talk and they can talk and they can talk and for an introvert like me this is the ninth circle of hell meeting is the (laughs) worst place i mean i i just i want to die when i'm in a meeting So, so so how do you deal with those that are talking too much and how do you deal with those who are not contributing even though they have an important contribution to make
1: all right well that's called air traffic control okay we air traffic control has two parts one we need everybody to focus on the same thing at the same time in the same way so i would suggest let's say we're in a face-to-face meeting so we have a whiteboard there we put a topic box on it and whatever subject is on the floor goes in the in the topic box let's say it's the the move of the office and then whatever process we're using goes in the process box you know process could be brainstorming or look at the cons of an idea or the pros of an idea or or we could be in a discussion mode but we need everybody to be focused on the same topic in the same way that's that's part of focus in a meeting and that also integrates with what's on the agenda purpose and focus what do you want from me Then the second part of air traffic control is that speaking order. Uh, we got to give people clearance to speak. Everybody doesn't just get to speak because they want to. Uh, I, again, believe in a circular order. It's much more efficient. Uh, The only time you can't do that is if you have really a lot of people in the room. Then you have to kind of go voluntary. But uh, you just go around the room, and everybody's got a, a time frame and two minutes to speak. And when you have that focal point of attention, this is what we're talking about, you have the limited time frame. All of a sudden, uh, the meeting's not going to go off course. The know-it-all's not going to take you down tangents because if they do, eh, I'm sorry, we're off our topic. And the person who would do that is called the pilot. The pilot is, uh, we have three roles at the meeting. We've got pilot, we've got air traffic control, and we've got flight recorder. They are all participants at the meeting, but they also have a procedural responsibility. And the pilot is the timekeeper. The pilot makes sure we stay on course. If somebody's saying something that's taking us off course, the pilot would interrupt and say, I'm sorry, that's not what we're doing right now, we're focused on this, and point to the whiteboard. So and in the meantime, the air flight recorder is, is bulleting people's points. If we're in a virtual meeting, let's say we're using GoToMeeting or WebEx or something of that nature, then you'd have a shared screen and in the uh, you take a blank PowerPoint slide and in the title area of the slide, you write topic and process. So everybody sees what that is and then you flight record on those bullet points. And of course, you can do that also in a in a face-to-face meeting. use a PowerPoint slide like that.
0: One of the reasons that most people hate meetings is because they know that there's going to be that jerk who they know is going to cause a problem. And you you describe them as snipers or whiners or all these negative people. I mean, you just go into it knowing, "Oh, I know that Jim is going to be be a pain in the fanny here, and I know that that Sarah is going to just do what she always does and disrupt this thing and cause problems." You know what, I, we, I think you have a great advantage knowing that Jim and Sarah are going to cause problems because I think you have the ability to actually be prepared for that and work around that, right? How do you deal with those kinds of people?
1: Well, you know, because uh, this, uh, this question always would come up in the Dealing with People Who Can't Stand uh, seminar. And know the strategies I teach there, which are also in the Dealing with People Who Can't Stand book, are valid. In a meeting context, it's better to put a process in place that prevents anyone from going there. So by having air traffic control, you prevent tangents. Uh, and usually it's your know-it-all who's going to take you down tangents that are relevant. So that controls them. You also control the judge. That's the person who's nitpicking details that don't really matter, who also taking it, but they can't because here's what we're focusing on and you have two minutes to make your contribution sniping you know I heard a sniping can be you know snarky teasing friendly and get everybody to laugh which is nice but it's still a distraction or it could be malicious so in researching the book I asked my list for great moments in meetings and one person said that his boss would attend a meeting that the boss really didn't have to attend. There was no reason for him to be there, but because of his positional power, he could. And he would distract. He would make snarky comments. He would start to argue one point, And then five minutes later, change the point. Well, finally, the person who was actually running this meeting uh, at the next time decided to do some flight recording. And as they went around the room, whatever people said, Simply bulleted it on the whiteboard. And when the boss made a snarky comment, he simply innocently wrote it
0: on the whiteboard.
1: And uh, guess what? The snarky <laughs> comment completely <laughs> stopped. <laughs>
0: Well, that's a great way to do it, though, because you're just repeating what the boss says, right? And, yeah. And I mean, that's a that's a, to the question to the person who's listening who says, "Well, wait a minute, how do I deal with that kind of a problem? Whether it's the boss who's making snarky comments or or Jim the jerk? I mean, this, that's how you do it. Is you just get it on the record, and and there, I guess you could make the case. There's the value of minutes is that you then you get documented what people do and say because. Chances are that same personality who loves to be snarky in a meeting also wants to look good in front of everyone. So they yes. may not want to be on the record as being a, a, an obstacle or a distraction. That's a fascinating conversation. You know, we've been we've been approaching this, and certainly the direction the, the directionality of my question has been that the meetings are negative and they're bad. And we, how do you make them better? I also want there to be a quick discussion, some comments from you on the fact that there is a reason that they probably exist in the first place, is that there is some benefit to them. There is power behind them. There is opportunity there. I have a, a leadership coach who I do a lot of work with on, on this network, and, and she always talks about the idea of being, as a leader, you need to identify entry points, meaning that you look for opportunities to make a difference and to make a contribution In in No no matter what the context of that is, but a meeting is a great place for a person to actually get their idea out into the world and discussed and debated. Talk about some of the actual opportunities that are available in a meeting that, that actually can make them really worthwhile.
1: Yeah, it's, you want to harness people's brain power and get them into holographic thinking because everybody from their unique point of view is going to see a situation differently. One person may be more tuned into the morale implications. Somebody else is thinking about the budget. Someone else is thinking about the efficiency of it. And, you know, it's like any sports team. Depending on the position you play, you have a different primary responsibility. Let's say some people more defensive, others more offensive. Now, one's not right and the other's Wrong. Basically, both of them doing their part and synthesizing it creates the greater outcome, and so that's what we need to do at a meeting. Is we need to harness people's unique points of view and give them a way to contribute it so you know because here's the thing with we talked about a lot of the assertive people know-it-alls judges etc snipers but the yes maybe and nothing people who don't tell you anything it's important to get their contribution so first of all if we are we have a speaking order that's circular we're going to hear from them but secondly see that they come from a place of wanting to get along they don't want to oppose anybody you know if you don't have something nice to say don't say it at all so they wouldn't want to bring up a consideration with an idea but because we're all focused on the same thing at the same time we're all looking at the pros of an idea together we go around the room what are all the pros what are all the pros get them on the flight recording okay now people we're looking at the cons are there any considerations or negative side effects now we're all doing the same thing again so they're not opposing anybody they're just being part of the group part of the team getting along and that makes it safe them to come out and play and so that really this process of having air traffic control a uh, time limit and flight recording it it controls all the difficult stress behaviors
0: well i certainly appreciate the value of a, of a tight agenda strictly controlled and whiteboard everything or you know notate everything bullet everything take minutes and and keep tight time restrictions on i get that i mean in most meetings require that one of the meetings that I always really looked forward to, because there were half the time it yielded amazing results, and the other half of the time it was an unmitigated disaster, was the infamous <laughs> brainstorm session. All right, we're gonna we're gonna gather all these people around the table, and we're gonna brainstorm. The potential there is staggering, because you, as you meant, you, as you said just a minute ago, you harness all this brain power. But yet, half the time it was a—it was just a waste of time. Do you have any counsel? Because that's a very popular meeting. At least it was when I was attending meetings. Was this idea of the brainstorm session? that can be a disaster, but it could also be an amazing opportunity to identify new ideas and unleash some creativity and foster innovation. Any counsel you can share on how to make a brainstorm meeting very effective?
1: Yeah, well, when you do brainstorm, you're coming up with ideas without qualification. But of course, what has to follow a brainstorm is we take each idea and we uh, subject it to what are the pros of this idea? What do we like about it? And we all do that as a group. And then what are the cons of this idea? What Side effects are things that we need to take care of. And there's something in communication called criteria. Criteria are relevant factors. You know, I remember I first became aware of this when I uh, was in my early days. I was still counseling. I did some couples work and I had a couple at the end of the visit, everybody's feeling good. She turns to him and says, honey, let's go to the Rose Gardens. And he goes, nah. And she goes, okay. And I say, wait a second. What's your intent right now? What's the purpose here? Well, we we're feeling close. We didn't have a long time. We have had an hour before we have to pick up the kids. I thought it'd be nice to spend some quiet time together. He goes, that's a great idea. I don't want to be outside too hot, too buggy. How about the cafe? We've been meaning to try. Now, her intent, her purpose is spend time together. Rose Garden's just a way to do it. Why did she chose that? Well, they had an hour. So there was a time criterion, maybe geography. It was on the way home. Maybe budget. It wouldn't cost them anything. Maybe atmosphere, romantic, quiet setting. And whenever people have an idea, it originates with an intent, a purpose. They then run that through the relevant criteria and out pops the idea. Well, usually we don't communicate our intent and criteria. And uh, I found it very important in meetings to teach people about stating their intent and their criteria so that when they come up with an idea – because it's not about the idea, it's about what they're trying to accomplish intent criteria to also share their intent and criteria. And even better would be to put some criteria on the whiteboard or the flip chart before we even start brainstorming. Okay, here's the budgetary limitation we have. And then, according to federal regulations, we have this. You know, what are the criteria that our ideas must? fit in. And then from there, we can be much more creatively brainstorming. And especially if people are sharing their criteria as well as the idea. You see, sometimes what they share, the idea is not feasible, but the criteria that they're tuned into is really important.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Thank you for sharing that. We're about out of time, but one last question. uh, I've seen you talk about this and I think it's too good not to bring it up here, but you've talked about the idea that there are two we talk about the agenda again talk but there are two very important parts that you have to include on each agenda for a meeting but frankly most of the time they are not included what are those that's uh, the purpose and the focus what is
1: <laughs> what is the point of this <laughs> in a two sentence or less why are we not doing the 10 million other things we know we have to do and then focus well, what do you want from me how do you want me to orient myself uh, to this particular item,
0: is it any surprise that the purpose is missing from most meetings? Well, therein lies uh, sums up the the whole the whole problem with all our meetings. <laughs> the great opportunities yeah. to to gather people that care about a common mission and achieve some big things, and we blow the opportunity.
1: And I just share uh, this, you know, I. I- I did a 15-minute presentation on this process where we already talked about it longer than I did one time in a, in a difficult people seminar, and I got uh, an email back from some Boeing engineers two weeks later. They said they put the process in place. They used to have a Wednesday morning meeting; it would last three hours. The first time they did this process, they got it done in an hour. And what really impressed them is they did, got more done at a higher quality than they ever did in a three-hour period.
0: Well, you know, shame on me for not talking about the you know a key line in the book title is is You know, meet less and do more. I mean, that's the whole point of all of this is that you can make these things simpler, less time consuming and still achieve far more than you do currently. And, you know, and the point you just made about this, we used to meet every Wednesday for three hours. Well, you don't necessarily always need to do that right you know you mean you know these meetings can you know i've i've read a million books from people who were successful leaders who they had the morning meeting no matter what whether it was even necessary or not but they had by god the meeting cuz that's what yeah. we do here and i you know i can appreciate that discipline but there's a way to 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 either make those things very tight and very efficient, or there's a way to sit there and say, look, you know, there's more important work that needs to be done here, and, and we don't need to do it every day or three hours every Wednesday, what have you. So fascinating stuff. Well, Dr. Rick, we could talk for hours on this. We yeah. I think we probably shouldn't, just to prove our point that you don't <laughs> right? need to waste time with these <laughs> kinds of things, but uh, I do appreciate you making time to join us today, and, and grateful pleasure. for that. Uh, before I let you go, uh, should anyone want to connect with you and, and ask you any questions, how do they find you, and most importantly... Where do they get their hands on a copy of Dealing With Meetings You Can't Stand?
1: Well, finding me, I'd say uh, dealingwithmeetings.com. And there they can even download a, a agenda template in Word format as well as other resources. So that's dealingwithmeetings.com. And then as far as the book, I mean, Amazon, it's on Audible, it's Kindle, it's iBooks. It's released on all formats, whether you're a listener, an electronic reader, or a physical book reader it's there for you
0: all right dr rick brinkman the author of a new book dealing with meetings you can't stand meet less and do more dr rick a real pleasure to have you thanks again for stopping by thanks todd all right all the time we have for today again on behalf of my guest dr rick brinkman i am todd schnick we'll see you soon on intrepid business thank you for listening to intrepid media we appreciate your attention To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.